Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Highlands Hawk. I am Sam Kinches, joined by my good friend, Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how much snow did you get? Dude, it was freaking cold over the weekend. I mean, I'm glad it's kind of this week so I can just stay in and kind of just like chill and watch sports, but like, dude, it was so cold, bro. Uh, we got seven inches back at home, but moving in, dude. moving back into school during post-snowstorm was not fun. There's still snow all over the place. It's freezing. But ideal you know. tackle football weather. Ideal tackle football weather, though. Yeah, there's a lot of salt on the ground. Ideal sledding weather, too. <laughs> but you know. Yeah. Nonetheless, we have a lot to get to today. It is Monday. That means only one thing. Time to recap our two AFC championship games. We got a little coaching carousel action and some also executive moves. And our first ever trade analyzer. We have a few mock trades that we're gonna throw in, analyze, and get into a lot to get through, but let's waste no time. First, let's get to our first game of the day. And Mitch, again, we keep talking about just every game just keeps getting better and better. And this game is, I think, the cherry on top. The AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs. Chiefs have been unstoppable at Arrowhead over the past few years. Came in, came right out of the gates, went, went out 21-3, and the game seemed pretty much out of reach. Second half comes around, and the script is completely flipped. It's like the Chiefs just fell on their face. And next thing we know it, the new we have a new champion in the AFC. And for the first time since 2012, the Super Bowl will not host Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, or Peyton Manning. The, Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals are your new AFC champions. Became the first team to go on a 21-3 run. Went on a 24, I believe it was 21 unanswered, to beat the Chiefs in overtime. There was so much to unpack on this game. And... Mitch, the Chiefs' offense completely went away in the second half. Mahomes didn't throw the ball away, and it looked like the Chiefs embodied the struggles that they had at the beginning of the season on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. They did not get to Burrow. He was beating them with their legs at various points throughout the game. I mean, what do you make of all of this? There's so much to unpack. I mean, let's start with the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Burrow, right? Scott is a certified winner. Certified winner. If, if he wasn't a at superstar before this or an everyone's top five quarterback book before last before yesterday's game he should be 250 yards passing two touchdowns one pick was sacked once on seven drop packs total qbr 54.8 and 86.5 passer rating also had five rushes for 25 yards right joe burrow was making moves with his legs making plays with his arms they went on a run in the second half. They lost their number one tight end, CJ Uzama, which really changed their game plan. And, and Mitch, we talk about how good Burrow was and how Burrow was just not sacked to. can't talk about this game without talking about how good the Bengals defense has been yesterday and throughout this entire playoffs. This team does not jump out here stat-wise, but they make plays when they need to. Yeah, Lou Avarnamo, if I'm butchering that name, I probably am. I don't know why he's not getting more head coaching interviews right we're talking we're seeing patrick graham brian flores ricky morris leslie frazier leslie frazier but this dude's really outplayed all of them in the playoffs with his defense. four sacks four and sacks two, and two picks for this defense against the chiefs offense that looked yeah. very much unstoppable this postseason especially at home and Mitch, we, let's talk a little bit what happened in overtime. How like Mahomes, like very much Mahomes, almost lost lost them the game in the second half. He fumbled the ball, almost gave the Bengals the ball back. But what do you make of how the overtime rules shift 
given that the Bengals were able to get the stop in overtime and then go back and score. I think we have to stop complaining about overtime rules, right? You had 60 minutes. You were up 21-3 at a point. We're up 21-10 at halftime. You blew the game. You're already dealing with this. Mahomes threw a pick. The Bengals came back and scored. Why should it be anything else? That was the rules are if you score a touchdown on the first drive, you win. Otherwise, it goes back to the other team. If you don't score, it's sudden death. The Bengals got the ball back and kicked a field goal to win. I don't think okay. the overtime rules need to be changed. I, I, I don't think so. All right. So we went a little bit in depth about the Bengals. Let's talk a little about the Chiefs. We talked, we touched on vaguely about what we thought went wrong, but Tal, let's talk about Mahomes a little bit more. What do you like? It's like he almost turned into a pumpkin all of a sudden. What do you, what went wrong on both sides of the ball? And where do you think the Chiefs go from here as a team? I don't know necessarily what happens, right, with the Chiefs. Obviously, Mahomes' salary hit is going to be five times more next year, going from seven to 36 million. And so I believe the Chiefs, they have everyone, I believe also they have everybody on the books around, next year. So it's not like free agency is an option for them. Yeah, they might go. I think they're still going to wind up finding a way to add another player maker on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe an Amari Cooper via trade. Maybe they bring in Odell Beckham. I, I don't think they'll get Devontae Adams, and that's going to be too much money for their book. Not that they really need a skill position upgrade, but I heard this on the broadcast yesterday. Your team's only as – on both games, your team is only as good as your third wide receiver. Yeah. So even when you count Kelsey and Hill, is Mikal Hardman really going to be your th- the third best weapon on a championship team? No. Right. Who are you going to go out and get? It's a lot of intrigue there defensively. I think right. they, defensively they need to add an, add an, either an, uh, a true defensive end or an outside linebacker that can play the edge to allow Chris Jones to slide back inside and play the natural spot that he normally does at D tackle and he's thrives in. Yeah, Mitch. And maybe work in that second. Likely should come back. I don't know if he'll come back or not if they have the money to make that work, but. Played a, he played a heck of a game. He had the only sack and he had a few key plays at stopping the run, very much limiting Joe Mixon. He was all over the place yesterday. Yeah, and not to mention both teams had a lot of rushing yards, but no one had like particularly – like Mixon had like four yards of carry, McKinnon maybe f- between four and five. It wasn't much, but they both ran for a lot. That's why the throwing numbers were a bit low for both Mahomes and Burrow. But I think the Chiefs are going to find a way to get together. Like you saw the best player in football on your team, Patrick Mahomes. You're still going to be contending for a Super Bowl next year like you are every year as long as you have him on the roster. You have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill under contract. You have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire under contract. You're likely going to bring back either McKinnon or someone else to replace him. Or Darrell Williams, for that matter. Defensively, I think Spags needs another guy in the secondary at corner. Maybe Dante Jackson. Maybe you go out and spend on J.C. Jackson or hope Stephon Gilmore wants to come on a discount. Just a couple names in free agency that I think would fit there. Right. And this Bengals team, they kept on bending, but they absolutely never broke. And I think everyone in America besides Kansas City is so happy about this win. The Cincinnati Bengals back to the Super Bowl. And I think what personified this win, I saw a video of, I saw a picture actually of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase's Jamar Chase's dad smoking a cigar together. I mean, he, again, we keep talking about, like, what personifies Joe Burrow? He's been a winner. Ever since his seniors at LSU, he's a winner. And he just – he just – he's – ladies and gentlemen, Joe Burrow has arrived. Like, no questions asked. He has arrived. Like, is – I'm so excited to see what he's going to do next week. So, two weeks. Chiefs will go – two weeks. The 
Chiefs will go home empty. A lot to think about this offseason. But now we get into our final game of championship weekend. We have a tw- We have a new NFC champion as well. The Los Angeles Rams will be the second team in two years to host the Super Bowl as they exercise the demon that is the San Francisco 49ers in a 20-17 to 17 game win. 2017 win in a game that was very oddly played. But what a finish. And Mitch, I said this a while ago. I mean, let's talk about the Rams for a bit. Stafford has just graduated from Pat, Stat Patford officially. Like, let's just say it what it is. The guy had three, 31 for 45, 337 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And I saw a crazy stat. Matt Stafford a year ago from yesterday was just traded to the Rams. Now we just brought him to the NFC Championship game. I mean, Matt Stafford is just – if he, they win in two weeks, he's going to really – like, it's just a well-deserved win all around. And one person in particular talk about, like, Mitch, how incredible is Cooper Cup? Oh, God, don't get me started with Cooper Cup. Dude is over 2,000 yards of the receiving now, including the postseason. That's an all-time record. He's been a beast. He's been their best player, truly. Came away with 11 receptions for 142 yards and two scores yesterday. Doesn't matter who's next to him or who's covering him. He finds a way to beat them, right? We saw it when he beat Winfield on the go route to clinch the divisional, to put the divisional field goal in line last week. We saw him burn whoever San Francisco threw at him this week. We saw it again with the Cardinals in the wild card round. We see it with every opponent they played this season. He's a beast. There's no way around it. He's got a great rapport with Stafford. They, they know where each other is. Their rhythm and timing is that like they've been playing with each other for 10 years. It was really their first season playing together. Uh, he's been a beast. Also, shout out OBJ. Had nine receptions for 113 yards yesterday. Right. And Mitch, you mentioned, you mentioned how Cooper comes in very much McCarrium, and I really feel like we always do Cooper Cup was good, but him and that Stafford has just elevated his game to a whole new level. Having a quarterback like Cooper Cup, we always can make their routes. But with Jared Goff, he wasn't that much of a downfield passer. And now we know that Stafford is willing to make those deep throws and really find Cup when you need him. He, they, the two of them have each made each other better. And one thing this reminds me of, Mitch, I think it'll like this. This reminds me of a lot of the Larry Fitzgerald, Kurt Warner Cardinals. Of the two of them were just absolutely dominating teams no matter who they throw at them. And that runs the Super Bowl against the Steelers. It reminds me so much of that, just having a guy that you know, no matter what, throw it up, he's going to come it down. It, it like brings back a lot of good memories, and Cooper Cup has just been so good. Quick shout-out, though, to Odell Beckham Jr. I know Giants fans are going to hate this. He is going to the Super Bowl after nine receptions for 113 yards. Not, not a happy sign for Giants and Browns fans, by the way. But one thing the Rams, we've always critiqued the Rams all season is that they've never been good at closing out games. They did They that, did it. And they and they did it without getting to Jimmy Garoppolo. He had no sacks. The Niners protected him very well. And ironically, the Rams beat the Niners at their own game. They controlled time at the possession and were ran- and wore down the defense. And they didn't even run get that much rushing yards. Neither team had much rushing yards as a whole. I think there was combined a little over 100 rushing yards for the game. And the Rams also were two for six on red zone drives, which is a little concerning. But nonetheless, they very much dominated time possession. I believe I believe it was almost by ten. It was just an absolute shattering right here. The time possession in favor of the Rams. The Rams had the ball for thirty-five minutes of the game. The Niners only had it for twenty-four minutes. So when any offense they could have gone, it wasn't going to work. And Mitch, one thing I want to point out: Sean McFly blew all his timeouts with ten minutes to go in the game. How is this a little concerning going forward that he was a little impulsive and sort of throwing his timeouts, sort of like his first round picks? 
but nonetheless, <laughs> which is, is this sort of concerning? And how would you say Sean McVay was like really like how good is it for Sean McVay to finally beat Kyle Shanahan? Oh, I'm sure Sean McVay's smiling and bubbling inside. He beat his former boss, right? You've lost the past six. You finally do it. The timeouts does concern me a bit, right? You were down again. You challenge. You have stupid plays. You hope to clean that up before the Super Bowl. It could be an issue down the line. I don't really think it will be long term. And it's also let's talk about like talking about Sean McVay on the offense and what him and Kevin O'Connell have done with Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup. Their rushing game was not strong. They need to get that better. Cam Maker, Sony Michelle, second week were on here on a Monday saying that. Raheem Morris in that defense played exceptionally well. Eric Weddle, nine tackles yesterday. From, from his couch, from his couch to the Super Bowl. Ain't that the life? I mean, Aaron Donald's a beast. Leonard Floyd, Kitchen, and Von Miller also being Von Miller. Just like we talk, let's talk a bit about Von Miller. We knew when they traded for him, he's going to be like he's going to contribute to this team. But his presence in the playoffs, like we know, playoff Von Miller, he's just a different animal. But just his presence on the defensive line has been such just an advantage for this Rams defense in so many ways. You know, I don't, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we're sitting here Valentine's Day talking about Von Miller's second Super Bowl MVP. One hundred percent. He's just such a game wrecker, and when we know Donald's going to have his way, but having a guy like Von Miller who can absolutely kill your best, kill your best offensive game plan, and along with Leonard Floyd, like I'm afraid that next week we could be talking about like it's going to be a very much an interesting way to see what's going to happen next week. So we talked about the Rams. Let's talk about the elephant in the room: the Niners going home after a magical postseason run, almost became. I believe it was almost the fourth wildcard team to make it to the Super Bowl in the, in the, in the millennia. But in the Niners, we talked about it. They lost at their own game. They were outgamed and outplayed. Three for nine on first downs, six penalties for 50 or four yards. This undiscipline does not help. 50 total rushing yards, very uncharacteristic for them. And George Kittle was absolutely silent, except for that one touchdown. Two receptions for 27 yards. And, and Jimmy G... Had 16 for 32, 32, two touchdowns and an INT, the game stealer. Mitch, what happened with the Niners? What was different about this game than any other games they played against the Rams? Uh, simple. Why did the Rams lose the past two times? And every time we've been saying this with the Rams, the Rams don't lose. They beat themselves. The Rams didn't beat themselves yesterday. Shanahan can only scheme so much. Jimmy G can only throw so much and make so many reads. Like, if you watch that last play, that game ceiling, INT, like, what was that throw? I get it, it's a desperation play. Like, throw it out of bounds. Take the sack. You had a timeout. I think we see a running theme of this championship game. Quarterbacks failing to throw the ball away. Yeah, you can't keep extending every play. Uh, the running game not working was kudos to the uh, Rams defense. Right, 50 yards total in the game. I think that was a great job. And I think it, I think the Niners have a lot of work to do, right? Shanahan's job is safe for the foreseeable future. Even if they didn't make a run, Trey Lance is still there and he's likely going to be QB1 to start next season. I think Jimmy G's a goner. I don't know where yet, but we're going to get into that later. Uh, they need to upgrade in the secondary. Their front four is done well. Their linebacking core is done well. They need to up, their safeties are good. And again, Jaquiski Tart dropping the game ceiling interception. Like stuff like we have brain farts that happens. 
But if that happens, we're having a different. If he caught that ball, we're having a different conversation here. One hundred percent, Mitch. We talked a little about Jimmy G's fate. Like, was that interception sort of the nail in the coffin for the Jimmy G experience with the 49ers? And with that, it's like sort of sad. Like, if Jimmy G won that game and the Niners made it to the Super Bowl, how would that narrative like play into the Niners' offseason plan? You know, I don't think it was going to change. Like, what would like we were we were talking to you in the postseason? What would have to happen for Jimmy G to be the starter there next year? Like. They'd likely the go, Bowl, probably. they have to win the Super Bowl and he'd have to be the MVP, right? Yeah. So the odds of that happening were not likely at all. I think he'll uh, definitely be moving. I think they'll definitely move on for him. I think they're because of this run, they're going to get good value for him. He's, he can, he can be a top 20 starter in this league, right? The record speaks for himself, whether the numbers do or not, that's just the scheme. And you put him in a scheme where he can work, he'll perform. And right. I don't think he deserves the flack he gets for, the performances, but right, he's not going to be. He's not going to be the reason you want to. He's not going to be the reason you want a championship. Right, you're going to win in spite of him. We talked Niners going home. We have our Super Bowl Rams, Bengals. We're looking at SoFi Stadium, February thirteenth, six thirty Eastern. Halftime show is going to be a fun one for all the uh, Gen Xers and some Millennials in the room. Not as much for us. One of the funniest thing, Rich. Yeah technically the home team for that game, which is the funniest thing. Because it alternates year after year. The question is, who's wearing what jerseys? It's nonetheless really funny. I think the Bengals will wear white and the Rams will wear blue, but that's just my guess two weeks out. I'm so excited, Mitch. If we were to thought at the beginning of the season that this was the Super Bowl, I mean, you would have called me crazy. No chance. I mean, if you told me the Rams were in the Super Bowl beginning of the year, I probably would have said, like, okay, reasonable. Bengals? I I don't know how people actually pick the Bengals to not finish last of the AFC North. From, from worst to first, the Bengals and the Rams will square off in two weeks. Stay tuned for our Super Bowl show. We are really excited about that. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff going on there. But that the Niners going home, and there they were too. That does it for our, for our championship recap. And now we're going to get into some big news throughout the league. A lot of vacancies being filled throughout the league. Mitch, I know, you're, I know you got some big news about your big blue. Why don't you start it off? So after hiring... Bill's assistant general manager, Joe Shane, to be the new GM for my New York football Giants last week. Friday night, the Giants hired Brian Dable, the former Bill's OC, the one given a fair share of credit for Josh Allen being the elite player that he is in this league right now, was named as the Giants head coach. I'm thrilled with the move. I think it was the right move. His press conference today was interesting. He was humorous. He was not committed to Jones and Barkley, but like kept everything open. He also set said that Patrick Graham will be his DC as long as he does not get the Vikings job, which we'll talk about in a second. Ken Dorsey likely going to be the OC there. I don't know how that's going to turn out. The quarterback's coach in Buffalo has rumors that Buffalo is looking outside to fill their OC vacancy. So Mitch, what do you make of this hire? And the Giants offense, that was abysmal in pretty much every statistical category. How much of a step forward is this? This is a huge step forward, but they got to actually implement. Like I heard culture building with Judge. I heard this stuff with McAdoo. I heard it with Shermer. Like you got to get, you got to put action in. All talk is great, but it's not going to matter until we get to April. We get to March the Giants start doing free agency, or we get to April and we start seeing who they take at five and seven, right? Are you going to take a quarterback? Are you not going to take a quarterback? Are you, he's committed to Daniel Jones supposedly for this year, but. That'd be stupid not to. 
Are you going to pick up the option, which is going to be find out, and that action is going to speak louder than whatever they say about Daniel Jones? Are you going to draft a quarterback? Are you going to go defense? Are you going to go offense? What type of scheme do you want to build? How are you scheming around your players? How are you getting to get Kadarius, Tony, and Saquon Barkley involved in the most effective they can be? How are you getting $72 million receiver Kenny Galladay involved? Who's your tight end if you don't bring back in? Like all these questions are going to be answered in the next couple of months. I'm excited. I think it was the right step. But for me as a fan, I need to see them do something. It's not just so enough to take action, but good on Mara and Tish for learning that they actually have to step back. So right. we've seen we've seen Brian Dable have been great at getting the best out of his players, Dawson Knox and Gabriel Davis, to name a few, Cole Beasley, all taking huge leaps under Stephon his Diggs. Stephon Diggs. I'm excited to see what they're going to do for the Giants. So I think it's a great hiding by, hire by the Giants as they want to just take it. Like from a special teams coach to an offensive coach, I think it's the best direction for this team. And to have a guy that's clearly somewhat of a quarterback whisperer and is known to get the best out of his players, it'll be a lot of fun to watch next year. With the Giants on paper should have a solid offense. So it'll be a lot to see what happens. It'll be fun to see what happens. With yep. That. All right. We talked about uh, Vikings hiring Quesi Adofa Mensi on Friday's episode. They are still looking for head coach. Patrick Graham's a finalist, Brian Flores, among others, Jim Harbaugh, rumor for that job. Sam, what direction do you think they wind up going in there? <sighs> Jim Harbaugh's been rumored a lot. They're looking for, I really don't know with the Vikings. They've been very unpredictable, but I really, I really think Jim Harbaugh is going to stay in Michigan. I think they're going to look for someone who's a little more experienced. And with the rumors line with Harbaugh staying in Michigan, I think they maybe go. I think a guy to look out for is Leslie Frazier. I think a guy, he could be on the move. If he doesn't get a head coaching job, he could be on the move there. I'm very interested to see with that. With a Vikings team that on paper has the talent to compete in the NFC North, and especially with the NFC North most likely to be wide open next year, it's going to be I think the Vikings need to make sure they get this higher right and make sure they put themselves in a position to win now. Because right now, this is the most wide open the NFC North is ever going to be in the next in the past 20 years. So yeah. I'm very curious. To, I really don't know. If they could really go either way with this. Yeah, I think it could be interesting. I think Brian Flores is another candidate there. Patrick Graham is a sleeper. I don't necessarily know if he'll get the job. Like, but like if you know Flores is coming, you know Bill O'Brien likely will be the OC. And then you're doing your Patriot weighing everything. But it can go one of many ways, right? We thought Jacksonville was set up to be Byron Leftwich, like guaranteed. Sam, your boy, Rich Passaccia, interviewed for them or is interviewing for them this week. You think Jacksonville mm-hmm. should hire him or you think they're better off going offensive-minded with Trevor Lawrence? So I think Rich Passaccia's stuff only works within the Raiders just because Rich Passaccia has the locker room. It's going to be impossible to replicate what he had in any place other than Las Vegas just because they, the players speak volume about him and like what type of a character, what type of man he is. And to show that much love from your players, like the Raiders are the only one that really get Rich Passaccia as a coach. And I think it's rare to find him doing that somewhere else. All right. And now let's segue into your Las Vegas Raiders who, as already after we started this podcast, I made official that they've hired Kevin Ziegler as their GM and Josh McDaniels as their head coach. What do you make of that? I have a lot to say on this. First, a little funny note for all your Raiders fans. Mark Davis says the first words Josh McDaniels said to him upon were, it was a fumble. Just need to get that out there. This is about the tuck rule for all that didn't know. <laughs> 20 years ago, so, by the way. So this came out of nowhere for me. I really didn't see this coming. I thought we were going to be talking today, talking about how Ed Dobbs is GM and Rich Versace was retained as head coach. I am very not – I am I have very mixed feelings about these hires. These two very much come in a package. But the big talk is McDaniels. Ziegler has been told to really been the mastermind behind and essentially have been the GM for the Patriots 
And I don't know how sold I am in that because if you look at the Patriots roster, there are pieces there, but it doesn't necessarily jump out at you. And the Raiders are in a position where they need to win now. Derek Carr doesn't have much left. I don't know how many years he's got in the league. He's in a contract. You need to get the most out of him while he still can. They're positioned to win now. They developed their guys. And McDaniel's head coaching resume isn't strong. And again, given it was 10 years ago, I'm not sold. I like, I do kind of like that they went with an offensive coach, but I really do hope they retain Gus Bradley and they retain Greg Bolson. I would like that to keep that staff together just to keep that familiarity. But the good news is for me, I want Derek Carr to stick around. And all the reports have been saying that Josh McDaniels wants Derek Carr on his offense. So that will be a good sign. I'm very, again, mixed feelings. This could go either way. I, it doesn't sit well with me. I really thought Passaccia was going to be the head coach. You know, Josh McDaniels is known for getting the most out of his quarterbacks. I think where Derek Carr has been great, not that we haven't seen production. Derek Carr was likely a, what, like what, top 10, top five quarterback in terms of production this season. I'm not sure if you want to go that high, but he was up there. He'll get the most out of Hunter Renfro. And Ziegler brought in pieces for the Patriots' pass offseason. Matt Judon on the defensive side of the ball. On the offense, they brought in Hunter Henry, John U. Smith, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, right? I think they're going to figure out who the right receiver is to pair with Hunter Renfro. Maybe it's Devontae Adams. Maybe they go trade for Calvin Ridley. Maybe something, maybe something else. I don't know exactly. And- but the number one receiver for that Raiders team is definitely their biggest need. And Mitch, uh, one I'm curious to see is what the Raiders, again, keeping Gus Bradley, I think should be their next priority. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do, how to upgrade that defense. I think their biggest need right now, they need to get a shutdown answer at corner. Casey Hayward played incredible this season, but he's on a one-year deal and he's coming on the tail end of his late thirties. You don't know how many more years of good production you're going to get from him. Nate Hobbs was great. But again, he's not a shutdown corner. And I really think the secondary needs to be a priority and a shutdown corner. And I'm really – and one thing I guess I sort of like about Ziegler is that the Patriots have been known to have good defenses over the years, and he's been the catalyst of that. So I'm really hoping maybe that connection can maybe – again, I'm sort of like wishful thinking here, but maybe J.C. Jackson could be in play. I'm not Stephon saying it's going to happen. Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore could be in play. We'll see what happens. I don't, Again, I doubt it will be, but – just some names to throw out there. I really think these connections could have some influence in terms of attracting free agents and the Raiders to have a lot of cap space to play with. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. All right. Now to our mock trade section where Sam and I are going to go through a couple of trades that we found or that we've created. And we're going to analyze whether we, what we think good deal, bad deal. Will it happen too much, or too little? Let's, let's actually put some symbols on it. Do we think it's completely BS and out of this world or how do we, are we catching their checks on this trade? One uh, rating from one to five, one being absolute realistic, five being no way, no how. All right, so yeah. our first one, we got Aaron Rodgers going the Broncos. The trade being the Broncos would give up numbers nine and 41 in this year's draft, a first-round pick in next year's draft, as well as quarterback Drew Locke and receiver Tim Patrick to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers. So I give this – I say I'll give it a one-and-a-half – just because like, I don't like giving a definitive one because we've been fooled before. And I do think it's hard to put a value on Aaron Rodgers as he could be a guy that's about to win his second straight MVP. And it's hard, so hard to trade a guy that talented. We've seen with the issue with people trying to put a cap on Deshaun Watson, legal situation regardless. It's hard to trade guys that are just so good because you want to win the trade in the NBA. 
Ben Simmons has become so polarizing because how do you put a value on these guys? Because you just don't want to lose the trade. But and you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose the trade, and then you deal with, oh, do I want a superstar back or do I want pieces that can add to my team make us better overall? It's going to drum. Exactly. The Green Bay Packers try to really commit to Jordan Love, which is why you don't maybe see them getting a starting caliber quarterback in this deal. So I do think Nathaniel Hackett being in Denver is the deal breaker. And I think they get good value for Rod Shearer, too. First round picks a second. Drew Locke and Tim Patrick's a very solid wide receiver three. Not that really he'll do – not that maybe he'll do anything. It'll depend if Devontae Adams stays around his role. But the Packers are very much probably going to be entering a full rebuild. And I do think this is a good value for Aaron Rodgers. And the Broncos finally get their quarterback to succeed Peyton Manning. I don't think the, – the fact that the Broncos have not been able to, like, draft a quarterback since Elway is kind of pathetic. But, uh, yeah, I think this is good value for the Packers. Drew Locke gives you an extra insurance. The event Jordan Love isn't what you thought he was. Uh Tim Patrick gives you another film receiver because, frankly, you're lacking a two right now, and he could be a two, maybe better as a three. Not he's shown all, he's Tim Patrick has shown some flashes in the season of him being a very solid stick two receiver in this league. But I think that the Broncos really are quarterback away, and then getting Rodgers would assist in that, even though they'd have to be in the same division with Mahomes, Herbert, and Derek Carr. All right, Sam, for our next I, – I gave this a one. Uh, for our next one, Jimmy yeah. – Jimmy Garoppolo to the Steelers for a second-round pick. Jimmy G gets bailed out by high-end talent once again. This is the perfect fit for Jimmy Garoppolo. I give this trade – I think this trade's going to happen. I give it a one. I'm sorry. Like, this, is like, this is the trade I'll give a one. because I think this is the perfect fit for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think maybe this trade could be – second-round pick, I think, is the best you're going to get for him. You're not going to get a first. And he's proven to be a winner. And the Steelers need some stability at the quarterback position if they choose to go in that direction. The Steelers aren't poised to go into a rebuild. They're poised. The roster is built to win now. So a veteran like Garoppolo with another great coach in Mike Tomlin in a great offensive system that I really do think needs a stable quarterback play. You got your Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster's if he sticks around. Dodgy Harris is an absolute force. And that defense is still a top five in terms of talent. I think this is a perfect fit for Jimmy Garoppolo. I give this trade a one. You know, I'm going to give it a two because I don't necessarily know if, like, that's gonna, if the Steelers would rather just take their shot on a rookie, which they have full right to do because Jimmy G's on a one-year contract. You'd have to extend him to realistically make that worthwhile. I think it's definitely a possibility. It's another scenario where, like, he's got, he's not being asked to do too much with an elite defense and weapons on that offense. They also need to build up that line, but definitely a realistic trade. All right, Sam, now for our next one. We got Deshaun Watson going to the Carolina Panthers and get a load for this package. Running back Christian McCaffrey, safety Jeremy Chin. A first-rounder this year, number six overall. First-rounder next year, a fifth-rounder this year because they don't have another pick before the fourth round, and then a second-rounder in 2025. All the Houston for for Deshaun Watson. What? What? That's okay, two firsts, give- a second, a fifth. McCaffrey and Jeremy Chin. Why did I give this trade a four? That is absurd. I'm sorry. Deshaun Watson. Top quarterback, but we look at the trade you made for Rodgers. You're giving away potentially a top running back in Christian McCaffrey. And even though I think running backs are expendable, McCaffrey. Running backs don't matter. But still you're paying McCaffrey as well to be a top receiver on your team. 
His receiving upside is unlike anything we've ever seen from a running back. And Jeremy Chin has pro wall potential next year. He was a, one of the top safeties in football. He was very impressive. And I think that's another piece that it's a lot for Deshaun Watson. A first-round pick that's top that's top five, top, top ten, I believe. A fifth-rounder and two – like, I just think the hall is too steep. And realistically, I don't think this will happen. And for the Texans, home run on this trade, in my opinion – realistically that hall is just too crazy to happen in my opinion i think i give it a four i am going to give this a 3.5 now while i don't think he goes there i don't know if he gets traded deshaun watson is a mid-20s quarterback under contract in his prime that's what you're trading for we we saw joe burrow on a rookie contract turn around the franchise we're seeing this the nfc is wide open right now the nfc south if brady if the brady reports are true Again, Deshaun Watson would make you the favorite right away next year. You'd be contending for the next couple of years until anyone else got their quarterback situation settled. Your defense is already up there. You need to retain your corners. That's what you really have enough cap space for, but always you can restructure and move cap space. The line is where it concerns you for the Panthers, right? You need to address the line. You don't have the picks to do that. The Darnold trade really screwed them more than anything else because they traded those picks away. And Mitch, and it- Matt Rule's offense, we saw – Clearly needed Christian McCaffrey on the field. We saw how much he's played one six games the past two years. You're gonna like keep hoping, but we see how that rule relies on Christian McCaffrey way too much to his default to his defeat, and it's the flaw on their offense that Matt Rule just hasn't really adapted to the fact that you need to find a way to win without Christian McCaffrey, and you're giving up the piece of the offense. I really hope Matt Rule has a plan if he's planning to give up the player that he runs his offense around. Yep. All right. For our next one, a little less loaded, Calvin Ridley, the Patriots for their 2022 first rounder. I give this a one, like I'd bet on this to like happen. He needs to change the scenery. They need number one wide receiver. There are a handful of teams that can work. I think they're the Falcons will be able to get a first round pick for him. I'm with you on this. I'm also going to give this a one. You, you put it perfectly yourself. I think this is very realistic for both sides. Falcons get a number number first round pick for Calvin Ridley, who clearly wants to change the scenery after taking the year off. I think this is a perfect fit for Mac Jones to get a real number one receiver and hopefully take that next step in year two. All right. And for one of our last ones, we got Russell Wilson going to the Eagles for Jalen Hurts and pick 16 and 19 in this year's draft. What do you make of this one? I'm going to give this one a four. I don't see it happening. Again, the Eagles haven't been played for Deshaun Watson and they could be in play for Wilson also just because the Eagles, out of everyone, I think hands down have the most capital. Three first rounders this year, all within the all potentially all within the top 20. They have a lot to play with and they have the most they can give. But I think they're committed to Jalen Hurts as their franchise quarterback as of now. If that changes is yet to be seen, I think they're gonna use those picks to upgrade on the upgrade the, both the offensive line and their receivers. But I don't see Russell Wilson, if he is traded, traded to the Eagles. I give this a four. I'm going to give this a five. I don't think there's any chance this happens. Again, we can always be fooled. As much as we saw Jalen Hurts' limitations as a passer, he'll get better as the years progress. Also, these don't really match either team's needs, right? Are the Seahawks really going to try and take a chance on Jalen Hurts with a year left after, like a year or two left with no fifth-year option? And take two to first round picks to rebuild their line in their defense in division where they're clearly the fourth best team. Even if they 
make that trade and use those picks smartly. I don't think so for the Eagles' perspective. You theoretically could bite the bullet, trade for Wilson or Watson, or even Rodgers, and just trade three first-round picks this year if you really want to, but your team's better off long-term. Investing in the defense, the O-line, a playmaker, and keeping Jalen Hurts. You also have Gardner Minshew you could trade. I still think one of those underrated moves of the past calendar year in football, right? Eagles trade he's a, a top, six, he's six. a top. He's a top 35 quarterback. You trade a sixth round pick for Garner Minshew. I think that's a pretty shrewd move. So shout out to Harry Roseman there. You don't get many of them. Uh, all right. We got a couple more crazy, crazy ones. I got one. We had a lot, of, we had a lot of fun with the segment. We I had fun with the segment. And this will not be the last time we're doing this because we enjoyed this. My crazy one was uh, Brian Flores getting hired by the Vikings and then Sean Watson coming with him. Right. I think they're a sleeper team for him. I think Sean Watson winds up in the NFC. And with that division being in flux right now, the Vikings could really catapult themselves if they're willing to make that move. I'll beat with a lot of other issues in cap space on the roster. It would be difficult, but I think Deshaun Watson and the Vikings is a move that would be pretty crazy, but enjoyable to see. Okay. My trade is completely like, no way this is going to happen. But like, I threw it out there. I don't think it's no way. Sounds really fun. And like, why not? Okay. If the rumors are true, Buccaneers could be looking for a quarterback next season. And they do have a lot of pieces currently on their team to play with. Current players. They may not have the pick cattle, but they have players to pay with, play with. So my completely fun trade that I never think will happen, I have Aaron Rodgers for some reason going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because how fun would that be just to see Aaron Rodgers on that offense? How fun oh, it, would that be? It'd be absolutely no fun. Idea, it'd be fun. No idea who they give up. Maybe like, say, I don't I really don't know who they give up, but I just want to, like, just, just based on situations, that'd be the most fun. And I actually threw in a second one just for just for complete and utter crap and giggles. And if Tom Brady does stay around, I have him going back to the Patriots, because why not? Just for one more season, just another FU to the league, because he's done that enough throughout his career. <laughs> I think if Brady retires, maybe a tag-and-trade of Godwin Adams involved in a Rodgers deal. <laughs> That would be fun to watch. And be an, in the Bruce Ar- Aaron Rodgers in that Bruce Arians offense. And Devontae Adams. Sign me, me up. All right. That concludes our uh, mock trade segment. We have fun with that. We'll definitely bring that back in the future as the NFL season comes to a close and all the offseason rumors start coming across. But now it is time for our Hawk of the Day. Hawk of the Day. Mitch, why don't you get us started? People, open doors. I have my first in-person classes back today. I was waiting outside a classroom for 15 minutes because five people who were standing in front of the door thought the door was locked. And the only reason we knew to come in was because the professor had the presentation go wrong. I needed the digital service people to come and fix it. And that's how we found out we had class. So remember, always be sure to check a door and open it. What about you, Sam? What's your hawk of the day? Uh, I love that one. Mine is, I have a catchy title for it. Jesse gets shafted. Well, if you all haven't been following on Twitter, Adam Schefter, who's very credible, announced on Twitter the other day that Tom Brady was stepping away from football. About half an hour, 45 minutes later, and not to be said, ESPN was all over the story. They were having new segments, Twitter labels, you name it, all over the place. All the news saying Brady's gone, he's retiring. And then 30 minutes, Tom Brady comes out and says, my mind yet, shut up. It's straight to Adam Schefter's face. And next thing you know it, Adam Schefter is getting absolutely trolled by 
everyone. And not to say he's lost some credibility, but that's a bad look for him and for ESPN. And in his own words, oh, man. Him, Chef, him, Shams, and uh, Woj are all up at the end of the year. So maybe we get the reporter big three sweepstakes somewhere. The Athletic want to uh, get in on that? Love to see that. That'd be some great hires. That'd be, that'd be fun to watch. All right, that concludes our Monday episode, recapping the championship games, going over some mock trades and some general NFL news. Hope you enjoyed. We'll be back Wednesday with our NBA update and content. We are covering Crystal Ball this, Part 2, baby! Crystal Ball Part 2 covering the Central Division. We got a lot coming for you this week. Once again, I am Mitch Wolf. I am Sam Kinchis. Thank yeah. you all for tuning in to another episode of The Highlands Hawk.